She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. another episode of the Autumn Miles Show. You guys know I just love you so much. Love, love, love you. Uh, one of uh, one of y'all out there came up and hung out, well, not hung, hang out with me, but introduced yourself at Kroger the other day. So hello. I love to meet you at Kroger, y'all. I love it. I love to meet you at Target. I love to meet you at Kroger. <laughs> I love it. Um, we are in a very exciting month, September. We have celebrated one year and uh, of this totally refurbished podcast. And guys, I just have to say thank you so much for downloading. It is because of you. Listen, it's because of the the power of the Holy Spirit <laughs> and because of you guys that this thing is going well. Honestly, it's exceeding my expectations. It's funny. I, I told the team a couple months ago, I'm like, this is going to be our goal by Christmas. And guys, we're almost there. We are almost there. I can't even believe it. So thank you for listening. Y'all, we have got a lot of content to cover. So I'm going to skip straight to what is going on in my day. But let me tell you this. This is week two of the mind, and we are going to talk about fear. And I'm going to hit it so hard, y'all. Maybe say things that you haven't heard before, which I love to do. (laughs) Straight from scripture, straight from scripture. But you might not have heard this perspective before, okay? That's happening after the break. Let's talk about what's going on in my life right now. (laughs) So uh, homecoming is coming up at the school. I am a huge fan of all fall activities. Everything in the autumn, I am very into. (laughs) Hence my name, Autumn. Uh, You know, know, even if my name wasn't Autumn, I would absolutely love the fall. Okay. We are in it. I told you last week, you know, Saturday is there for football. So here's the thing. The homecoming comes with a homecoming dance. And yes, my, my kids, we, we, my husband and I are at peace with them going to dances. Okay. If you don't agree with that, you know, that's just what we believe is okay for our children. Okay. So we have to go get a dress for this dance. My daughter is 15 years old, almost 16, and she is 15. Just so you know, 15-year-olds are, you know, little women out there. We're going to get this dress for my daughter, and I was kind of blown away because she was like, Mom, all my friends want me to go with them to go shopping for a dress. But I told them, even before I talked to you, this is something special that my mom does with me. I almost cried. I didn't. I held it together. You guys know what I'm dealing with, with my kids getting older right now. I'm in like this weird emotional state about it. I was so thankful that she, she valued that time with me as much as I value that time with her. So Saturday rolls around. We don't have football because it's, because for whatever reason, we have a bye week and we go to the mall. Okay. Now I 
I'm I'm a mall lover. Listen, I love to shop. I I love fashion. I love the whole thing. I I love clothes. I like it. I always have. We go to Dillard's. Dillard's, if you are not in the South, is like, you know, a giant department store. I feel like most people know what Dillard's is. If you don't, it's a giant department store. We walk into Dillard's and in Dillard's, they have one giant section for like teenage age formal dresses, like for prom and, you know, things like that. So we go in there and I'm like praying because I already know the boundaries and parameters that I have as a parent on my daughter's dress. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh Lord, help this go well. And we walk in to this department and I, 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 listen guys, I am like a scanner. Like I'll scan the room in 20 seconds and kind of know the temperature of the room. I'm, I have a discerning spiritual gift. And, um, so I'm like scanning these prom dresses immediately knowing that mm, 98.7% of them won't be for grace. I, I want to talk to some of these retailers and ask them, what parent wants their kid to walk around like halfway clothed? I, I just, I just don't understand it. Like, could you please put some more fabric to your dresses? That's what I, if I, if I was, if I was talking to someone that buys for one of these big box department stores, I would say, you know, there are people out there like myself who would like more fabric to the dresses. And fabric is even a very generous word for some of these dresses. They're like plastic times polyester times. I mean, I don't even know what the stuff is that they make these dresses out of. Anyway, I'm looking for fabric. Okay. I don't, I don't want Grace to look like a grandma, but I want her to be covered. Okay. And P.S. I am on team. You can look really, really cute and be covered. That's the team that I'm on, y'all. I love fashion, but I really, and I love to play around with clothes and stuff like that. But I think that you can be super cute and um, also be covered. That's the team that I'm on. That's the team that (laughs) Team Miles is on. So we look around and my daughter is trying on on these dresses and I'm, I'm praying, oh Lord, you know, first of all, her dad will not allow her to walk out of the house in this. And second of all, no. First, it's like plastic. We're not, I'm not paying $150 for a plastic dress. We're just not doing that. She tries on 15. At the end of the 15th dress, she's discouraged. I'm discouraged because I'm like, where's the buyer for these dresses? I want to have a conversation with them. And I told her, Grace, I will go to every store in Dallas if I have to, to get you a dress that makes you look beautiful and that looks beautiful on you. We will not stop. Warrior came out on me. We will not stop until we find the dress. I just decided a long time ago with my kids, I will not compromise my morals and what I think that God is asking us to do. We're not going to do it. So we leave that portion of the store. We get on the escalator out loud. You got, you know me, like I am who I am (laughs) out 
loud on the escalator with Grace right in front of me. I said this, oh, Lord Jesus, we need a dress. And I am not buying one of those dresses upstairs. So, Lord, I pray that you guide us to the dress that would make Grace feel beautiful (laughs) and will make me feel good about buying it. No lie. The people on the escalator were looking at me like I was crazy, but you know what? That's okay. Won't be the first time. Certainly won't be the last. Grace looks at me and she's like, amen. (laughs) We get off the escalator. You guys, I am not even kidding you. It was like the angels of the Red Sea of dresses parted. Not 20 steps later in Dillard's, we walk by like an obscure section that honestly, I don't it's not on like the main Dillard's thoroughfare, right? It's like off the beaten path. And Dillard's is like a country. So it takes you forever to go to one side or the other. So we're going back and I see this dress and it is green and it is gorgeous and it is, there's fabric to it and it is not plastic. I think it's like satin or something like that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the one. It's like the angels from heaven came and said, (laughs) we bring you good tidings of great joy. They were singing that over this dress. And Grace looked at me and she's like, mom, I really like that one. We go, we try it on. It fits her perfect. She looks perfect in it. It was the price that we wanted. Dad was happy. So we got the dress. And in that moment, I was able to look at grace and say, look at how God blesses. When we don't compromise our standards, when we don't compromise, and when we say, oh, Jesus, we need your help on the escalator in front of the world to see, look at what God does. He provides for us. He gives us exactly what he knows that we are looking for. I just want to encourage you guys today, you know, in a world that is just saying compromise, compromise your your standards or whatever it is, God blesses when you don't. So she go look good for her homecoming dance. And we are super, super excited about it. That's what's happening in my life. Guys, do not go anywhere. After the break, this word on fear is going to help you. I promise you it will. I'll see you after the break. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. 
Okay, guys, here we are back from the break. Are you guys ready? This is like a word, a word. (laughs) We're going to talk about fear today. Fear. Now, let me tell you something. This is, we all struggle with fear, okay? You struggle with fear maybe in a different way than I do, but fear comes up in our lives regardless. If you are a human, you struggle with fear, okay? You might It might not be your main thing that you struggle with. You might not struggle with it on a daily basis, but there have been seasons in all of our lives that are fearful, okay? We literally are scared of what could happen, the impending what if, what is what is going to happen in the situation. Fear is very common. Do you know that fear, a version of do not fear or fear not is listed 365 times in the Bible. Did you know that? So it's as if God knew (laughs) that we needed a fear not or do not fear for every single day of the year. How incredible is our God that he constructed even the amount of times that a version of do not fear or fear not is in the Bible based on how many days are in the year. He knows you need to know, do not fear or fear not. Therefore, he wrote it in for us. As we talk about the mind, you guys, I understand that some of these things that I said last week and that I'm going to say this week and the next couple of weeks are hard to do. I I understand that, okay? I understand that if you are debilitated by fear, today's message is going to be hard for you to implement. I want to make one thing clear. I want to encourage you, based on the Word of God, to retrain how you think. I don't think that and God can do anything. He can change your thought process right the second. But I also believe that the years of anxiety that got you maybe to today might take some time to unravel, right? I want you to focus on, as I talk about fear today, I want you to talk, think about and focus on small victories. Okay. Do you guys ever know, like, let's just take losing weight, for example, maybe someone's, someone is working out and uh, they have a little bit of weight to lose or whatever. And they're working out for a month. Well, the scale might not have changed in a month, but maybe they couldn't wear their wedding ring before, and then they get to slide their wedding ring on. Okay. Is that 50 pounds of weight? Is that 10 pounds of weight? No, it's not but it is a small victory. It's a tangible victory. It's a victory that you can celebrate and be proud of. I don't think we're used to in our culture celebrating small wins and small victories. So as I talk about fear today, I want you to focus on retraining how you think about circumstances that may cause you to be fearful in your life. And I want you to start 
implementing maybe one or maybe two of the things that I talk about today, okay? I think that's important because when we see that not fearing not, and when God says fear not or do not fear, when we see that as a reality, when we see that we can slowly unravel the amount of fear that we live in on a daily basis and anxiety, and we can live a life fearing not, it is a freeing, amazing thing. It is a freeing, amazing realization. So here we go. Um, There are fears for everything. Now, in Dallas, a lot of people hate to drive in Dallas, which... (laughs) blame him. My dad is one of them. He hates to drive in Dallas. They're from Indiana. They still live where I grew up. When he comes to Dallas, he gets mad as soon as he like hits the 635 beltway. He hates it. Okay. As a matter of fact, he hates it so bad that he tells my mom to get in the car and to drive for him. He hates to drive in Dallas. But I know of a lot of other people that also hate to drive in Dallas because they're scared to drive in Dallas. It is absolutely terrifying. So there is a fear of driving. There is a fear of spiders. There is a fear of, oh my goodness, everything that you can think of. There's a lot of people that fear the unknown. There are so many different types of fear. Some of them are rational fears and some of them are what we call irrational fears. Okay. Fear of lightning. Uh, It's not really realistic that you're going to get hit by lightning. Okay. It's just, it just doesn't happen very often, but a lot of people are scared of that fear of water, fear of whatever. There is fear. If you are one of these people, these fears can completely debilitate you. You can feel as if you will always fear that thing. Fear of clowns is another one. (laughs) I just talked to someone that was scared of clowns and it was a very interesting conversation, but they were deathly afraid of clowns. It was very interesting. These fears can overwhelm us to the point that they will tell us how to live our lives. God doesn't want that for you, okay? I want to talk about this cliche, hashtag faith over fear. Faith over fear. Faith over fear. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that on Instagram. Faith over fear. It's so quick to say, quick to put out there. Well, I choose faith over fear. Like, I mean, come on. Could you just virtue signal to all of us anymore? I hate that line, faith over fear, because it's not very realistic. Okay. Faith. Now this is where you might not have ever heard this before. And this is why I have an entire life to back up what I'm getting ready to say. When people say faith over fear, The reason I hate it so much is because it tells the person that fears that all they have to do is choose faith and they will no longer fear. That is not accurate, okay? It also penalizes a person for their humanity. It takes the humanity out of fear. When someone is scared of driving in Dallas, Texas, 
it might not scare you, but to them, it could potentially be a debilitating thing. It takes the empathy out of fear. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus knew that we would fear. So he gave us the gift of faith. When people hashtag faith, be careful what you guys are doing out there with the, with the cliches. Think about them, okay? It tells you that if you have faith, you won't fear. Well, listen, I have faith. One of my spiritual gifts is faith. That's one of my spiritual gifts. But I'm telling you what, I have struggled. I used to struggle for years with debilitating fear about certain things. If anyone ever told me faith over fear, hashtag, just get over it. Just get over your fear and choose faith. It's not actually an accurate thing. Okay. Here's what I want you to know about faith and fear. They can, and I have scripture to back this up, coexist. They can coexist and they will coexist. Here's the difference. Faith does things. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it will move a mountain. Fear stops things. I don't think it's rational to tell someone you just have to choose faith over fear. I do, however, think it's rational to tell someone, watch where you're putting your trust. I believe that these things coexist all the time, every single day. You can be fearful of driving have a debilitating fear of driving in Dallas. But you can also, with that fear, walk to the driver's side door, open the car door, sit in the car, turn the car on, back your car out, and drive on 635. You can have faith in God and put your trust there rather than your faith in fear and put your trust there. Whichever one you trust is the one that's going to win. Faith accomplishes things. Fear stops things. I want to tell you about a man who you guys know, if you know the Bible at all, but this particular guy struggled with fear. Now, I will tell you this. This is something that God sort of enlightened me to a while ago as I was sifting through just things in my own life. I never heard a message on this before. But it radically changed that faith over fear, that, that really uh, cliche saying that we say so often in the church, it really changed the way I thought about that, okay? Because I think somewhere along the way, I bought the lie that if I'm fearful, I'm not full of faith. That's absolutely crazy, okay? The Bible and the, and the greats of Scripture, the patriarchs and the matriarchs of Scripture all struggled with fear in some sort of a way, okay? But these people, the reason we know about them, we learn about them is because 
they put their trust in faith and not their trust in their fear. We're going to talk about King David. This guy, King David, man after God's own heart, we have put him up on this pedestal and rightly so, rightly so. He deserves to be there. My brother's named David. They just had a little boy. His name is Julian David, and he is precious, if I do say so myself. We name our kids David. Uh, we study David. We talk about David and Goliath. I talk about it all the time. We talk about, you know, lots of different aspects of David's life. But one aspect that I do not think that we have talked about enough in the church is the fact that he struggled with fear. Do you guys know that? Do you actually know that he struggled with debilitating fear? Now we focus on that. Oh, he killed a, he killed a bear. He killed Goliath. He, you know, overcome, uh, overcame the Philistines. He overcame all of these groups of people. Saul killed thousands. David killed 10,000. We know of David as a victorious warrior. And we in the church tend to focus on that as we should, because that is a humongous part of his life. But we should also focus on the fact that he struggled with debilitating fear as well. How do I know that? Because he wrote the book most of the book of Psalms. And if you understand that this guy who's slaying giants, who's killing 10,000 people at one time, who's the victorious warrior that he is, who is reigning over Israel, if you understand that this guy who was a successful warrior also struggled with debilitating fear, I think it would help us cope with fear a little bit better because it will show, it will give us a blueprint for our own fear on how should we handle it? When you know that David, the warrior, wrote the Psalms, it shows you an inside look on what he was actually thinking. He might have been slain Goliath, but he was also shaking at times in fear. Let me show you, okay? Psalm 34, 4, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. David wrote this. This was part of the Psalms that he wrote. Like I said, he did not write all of the Psalms, but the portion that I'm going to talk about today, he did write. He says this, Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. This verse tells us David had fears, lots of fears. But what did he do with his fears? He did not hoard them. He did not isolate them. He did not keep them to himself. He didn't keep them in his own brain because he thought that, oh my goodness, if anyone actually knew what I was scared of, they would think that I was a weirdo. He didn't do any of that. He sought the Lord and the Lord answered him. And in the Lord's answer, he was able to be delivered from his fears, which tells me his fears needed deliverance. And God is the one that brought that on. See, here's the thing. Fear is 
unconquerable. When we have a right view of Christ in our life. This is what David knew early in his life. His giant was more scared of his God than he was of his giant. His giant was more scared of his God than he was of his giant. You only think of your side of fear. You fear whatever. You fear speaking in front of people. You fear your boss. (laughs) But whatever that giant is in your life, understand this. It will submit to the might of the Lord. Your giant is more scared of the God in you and the might he possesses than you would ever be of it. This is in the Bible. Why? Wow. When Jesus was walking through Galilee and Samaria and stuff like that, the demons would literally turn around and run in the other direction. They were petrified of the authority of Jesus. When you have a right understanding of how powerful God is and how everything submits under his control, the Bible says creation submits. When we have a right view of Christ and understand that he is the power that is in us that enables us to overcome our fears like David, it helps us to move forward in faith even while we fear. Y'all, this is good. This is good content for someone out there today. Share it with your friend if they need it. David struggled with this fear, and this fear tells us this. Another passage of scripture, which I find absolutely fascinating, and I'm going to read the entire passage to you, is Psalm 18. The reason this passage of scripture is so fascinating to me is because David wrote Psalm 18, but it's also recorded in 2 Samuel 22. So 2 Samuel 22 is about David's life and his his kingship and all this kind of stuff. So he actually recorded it in 2 Samuel, and then also it was placed in Psalm as one of his songs, spiritual songs to the Lord. I'm going to read it to you, and we are going to focus on the fact that David did fear, but God was greater. Listen to this. When he, before I read it real quick, I want to say this. When this Psalm was written, multiple things had happened in David's life. In my study, it tells us that Psalm 18 was written right after David was delivered from many foreign enemies or enemies that were looking to kill him. They had all banded up together to kill him. David was hunted by lots of different people, Saul being one of them. But there was a multitude of people coming against David, and God delivered them into David's hand. Now, all throughout 2 Samuel, you can read of the victory that God gave David. But this is a psalm of thanksgiving in a moment where David was vulnerable. He was aware of the reality of what could happen. And he was fearful. 
but he also saw God's hand in it all. Let me read it to you. Psalm 18, one says this, I love you. Oh Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my strong hold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Guys, listen to this part. This is the whole reason why I wanted to read you this specific Psalm to drive my point that David struggled with fear and yet he still walked in faith. Verse four says this, Psalm 18, verse four, the cords of death encompassed me. The cords of death were coming after him. He was going to die. And the torrents of ungodliness, listen to this, terrified me. The cords of death encompassed me and the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. Terrified. David wasn't just scared. He was terrified. He was terrified. Sound familiar? Maybe you feel a little bit like David does, did today. Let's read on. The cords of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. What did he do? Immediately called on the Lord. He feared and then he called. He feared and then he called. He was terrified and then he called. And cried to God for help. And he heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry for help before him came into his ears. Your cry, when you cry out for help, when you feel terrified, will reach the Lord's ears. That's where it goes. God himself hears it. And listen to what happened when David, as a child of God, called on the Lord. Psalm 18, 7, then the earth shook and quaked. Oh, I love how much God loves us. And the foundations of the mountains were trembling and were shaken because he, God, was angry. God was angry that someone was messing with his boy, David. He was angry. Smoke went up out of his nostrils and fire from his mouth devoured coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down. Do you know that this is what God does when you pour out your fears to him? He bows the heavens also and came down with thick darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew. He sped upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his hiding place, his canopy around him, darkness of waters, thick clouds of the skies. Listen, from the brightness before him, past his thick clouds, hailstones and colds of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens and the most high uttered his voice. This moves me when I read this because God speaks 
to those things that are terrifying us. God spoke to those things that terrified David. And when God speaks, we know things are created. Deliverance is created. We know even Genesis 1 tells us the world was created by his voice. And it says right here, the most high, verse 13, uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out arrows and scattered them and lightning flashes in abundance and rooted them. Then the channels of water appeared and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. The Lord was my support. He brought me forth into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And it goes on and on. I tell you about David because we've never seen the side of David that was raw and was scared. We talk about his victories. And I'll even do you one better. I think one of the greatest victories that wasn't Goliath, that David conquered, was his fear. Because he knew that the power of God was stronger than any fear or emotion he had toward his enemy. And he knew that the enemy was more afraid of the God in him than he was of it. I think the greater giant that David faced was the slaying of his own fear. I wish we would talk about this more in the church. How could he do that? How could David do that? It was a training of his mind. He trained himself at a very early age because the Psalms date back to when David was very young. He trained himself to lay every fear he had before the throne of God Almighty. And when his fears were placed before the king of kings, they became small and God's might became big. We have a tendency to hoard our fears or to think that they are so irrational and stupid that we don't lay them out before the cross, which is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He wants you to take your fears, to not tell anyone, to not have anyone to be accountable to. Certainly don't open up at church because what would they think, even though church is supposed to be for healing, not for legalism. We need to be retrained. Every time you have a fear, lay it out before the Lord and let his truth overwhelm that fear. David said, Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all 
of my fears. The greatest giant David slayed was his fear, not Goliath. Whoo, that'll preach right there. So in conclusion <laughs> to all of that, it's not that we don't fear. Fear and faith coexist. It's which one do we put our trust in the most? And if you're like me, I don't want to be caught trusting my fear of something that's irrational or rational more than I trust the Lord. That would mean I would have an idol. And I don't want that. David's entire life was lived out in one verse that actually Paul spoke of in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't check out. This is really, really good. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or fearful about anything. But in every situation, just like David, just like in every situation you face in Saul, you face in the Philistines, you face in giants, you face in Goliath, you face in, what are you facing? You're facing Absalom, your son, who tried to take over the kingdom from David. What are you facing? Who are you facing in every situation, just like David did, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Lay it all be out before him in prayer. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. I don't know this, but I know that Paul, formerly Saul, was a student of the scripture. And I wonder sometimes, I just wonder if he was inspired by David's life. This is something that David got right. And Paul picked up on that. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. David's life proved Philippians 4, 4 through 7. He lived it. You want a biblical example of Philippians 4, 4 through 7? C.C. David, King David. It's there for you. So today, you may be facing both. I have faith, but I also have fear. Well, okay, so did David. What did David do? He trusted in God more than he trusted in that fear. And he trained, and you might need to be retrained. He retrained himself on where to place his trust. And today, even if it's a small thing, even if it's driving, you don't like to drive. Okay, we'll drive to the gas station. That's a half a mile from your house. You don't like to confront things. Okay, that's fine. Confront the fact that your pantry needs to be cleaned out. <laughs> Start small small victories, and see what God will do with it. We are more than a conqueror, those of us that are in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ Jesus, that is your inheritance. 
being a conqueror. So join the team with David and Paul. I'm telling you what, it'll be amazing when you start to conquer fears and you see it done tangibly in your life. Okay. Small victories. I hope this helps you guys today. I'll be back after the break with a question from one of you. I love you guys so much. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply. But God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of his reach to use and redeem all things for his purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab, the biblical harlot, and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get your copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, here we are back from the break. I've got a question from Lauren. Lauren, I'm obsessed with this question. Way to go, girl. Gold star for the question of the day. This is the question. I'm trying to not hold on to a no from people, but I'm not sure God has given me a yes anymore. This is so honest, guys. Great question. How can I tell the difference between God's yes and just my own desires? I'm trying not to hold on to a no from people, but I'm not sure God is giving me a yes anymore. How can I tell the difference between God's yes and just my own desires? Okay, so this, I have talked about this a lot, and I have put up on my my feeds on social a lot lately about their no or their, their in quotations, their, whoever their is to you, uh, does not cancel out God's yes, okay? In my life, when the Spirit of God has enlighten me that I need to walk in a specific direction. When the spirit of God has said, Autumn, write that book, Autumn, start a podcast, Autumn, go to this, Autumn, whatever. I have then taken what I believe the spirit of God has told me. And I have asked the spirit of God to confirm that thing in scripture. I write this in all three of my books, calling it scriptural confirmation, because I know how fickle my mind is. And if I do not have a tangible verse to back up what the spirit of God has told me, I will waver. Okay. Period. That because I'm a human being. Okay. So 
When the Spirit of God says to you, hey, you're going to be married one day, okay? And if I were to receive that, I would then go to the Word and say, okay, God, please confirm this through your Word. Grab a verse, ask God to confirm it. Don't cherry pick a verse out. I mean, you could do that, but everything that I've asked God to scripturally confirm, he's given it to me in like my prayer time, or I've been reading in scripture and I feel like the spirit has said, this is for you cling to this promise. Okay. Once I have confirmation from the word, that is what I stand on. When I put these quotes out that say, um, their no doesn't cancel out God's yes. This is what I mean. When God is giving you a yes, yes, you will be married and you get broken up on by your boyfriend. That doesn't mean that you're not going to be married. It just means you're not going to marry them. Okay. When God says, Hey, you're going to write a book and you get turned down by 700 publishers, which happens on the regular guys <laughs> all the time. It just means that maybe the timing is off. God wants to do something other than the way you thought it was going to happen. Okay. God told us to adopt kids while we were a match with a mom who was scamming us. God told us to adopt kids. So we did not give up the journey until we were staring in the face of Haven and Moses. Okay. When a person this side of heaven tells you no, they will never override God's yes. If God is telling you whatever promise that he is telling you and you get an earthly no, it just means it's not going to happen that way. And you don't want it to happen an earthly way, Lauren. You want it to happen a supernatural heavenly way, a way that only God Almighty can get the glory from. So in order to figure out if this is your promise, I would ask for scriptural confirmation. And then no matter what the the rejection, the side of heaven that you get, if God gives you that scriptural confirmation, I would go back to that and I would stand on that and I would cling to that because God will do what he says he's going to do. Lauren, I hope this helps. Love you, girl. Thank you for writing in your question. Guys, I will see you next week for week three of the Mind series. It's going to be good. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.